The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your home Good morning, Hamilton. This is Rob Golfie with Remax the Golfie team. Welcome to the Hamilton Real Estate Show with Rick Zamprin. Hey, good morning, one and all. What a fantastic week of weather we've had, and I'm sure another hot week of real estate in the Hamilton, Burlington, and Niagara market. Yes, this is the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Zamprin. Rob Golfie is the sales representative with Remax's Skirtman Realty, the Golfie team. You can find them online. RobGolfie.com is the website. That's Rob, G-O-L. FI.com. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. And follow the Golfie team on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question for the Golfie team, and we do have a question that we'll get to later on in the program, send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. Again, that's questions at robgolfie.com. We're going to start right off the skip with what is happening in the local marketplace. The market has cooled off a bit, but houses are still selling. Um, they're not getting as many offers. And some, some of them are not getting offers at all because they're holding offers and people, um, and they're holding offers at a high price now. So, so what's happening, um, let's, say, let's say a property's worth 550000 the homeowner is going, let's list at 600, hold offers, and see if we can get 800. Well, guess what? Nobody's even showing the house. Hmm. Nobody's looking at it. And we had a situation like that where I, uh, I was with a client. Uh, it was a townhouse bungalow, and I said, you know what? We should list it at maybe 500 or 5, 530 uh, and then hold offers. No, 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 no. Rob, we're going to get 800, 900 for this place. And I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, and so the, the unrealistic numbers are starting to come out. These are the, these are the people that are, are, are the late to the game. So we listed it for 600, held offers, nothing happened. And, uh, and I said to the, my seller, I said, guys, are you, are you guys ready to listen to me now? Or you guys want to <laughs> still show, uh, tell me how to do this business? Because we know it, right? And, and, then, he, and then they admitted, you know, I, yes, we realized we were unrealistic. And so reality kicked in. They realized nobody's even showing this place in at, at 600. So um, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to reevaluate it and probably just put it at a you know at the market value, and we'll probably get um, maybe a couple of multiple offers. But we're not going to hold offers on it just because you know, like, like I said before, buyer fatigue is kicked in to a lot of places. And the only ones that are really, really getting big time offers are the houses that are done to the nines. So if you've got a house, you know, you got new kitchens, new bathrooms, new flooring, uh, you know, um, you know, beautifully finished basement pool. Guess what? You're going to have uh, 50 people or 100 people wanting to look at that house. 
But if you just got a basic house, guess what? You're just not going to, it's just not going to happen and you'll get market value for it better than market value. I mean, the market value today is pretty good. Like it's pretty high. It's not, it's not like you're getting less, but, but the market is, has to cool down and it is cooling a, a slightly cooling down. And I, you know, when June number, when the numbers come out in June for the main numbers, I guarantee you we're going to see a, a, a little bit of a shift and uh, not saying the market's going to be bad, but, but I do feel that there will be, you know, the market's going to continue rising, but just not as fast as it, it as has been. So. You mentioned the phrase late to the game. How, um, how close of a scenario is what we're seeing now to what we saw in uh, early to mid-2017, after the rush of buyers, the, the GTA influx came in, prices went sky high, but then it fell off the cliff after Easter. So in 2017, it was like it, it shut down quickly. Like it wasn't like it just gradual. This is a, a, a real gradual thing. It's not like 2017. It's, it's gradually cooling off. I mean, houses are still selling. The difference is there's a shortage of homes on the market. There's not enough houses. So there's people out there still looking. But the people that are looking, now they've, in their, uh, in their minds, they accepted that they may have to rent or they may have to move in with family or whatever, but they've accepted the fact that they may not get a house in the time frame that they expect to. So, but they're not going to overpay for something that they feel that's exaggerated, exaggeratedly uh, overpriced. So, so we're, so we're losing a lot of the buyers out of the market. So now there's uh, less buyers coming in and less offers coming in on the, on, on these homes. I mean, they're still selling, but they're just not going to get the, like, like I'll tell you, like Jan, part of January, but February, March, especially and part of April. I mean, if there was 20, 30 offers on a house, people were coming in like a hundred, 200, even uh, 250,000 over asking, right? When you had 20, 30 offers, but now when you're only getting maybe three to five offers, possibly they're not coming in big numbers like that. They're coming in maybe 50,000, 75,000. 30,000 over asking. So there's that, that difference. There's not as many people on the playing field that want the same house. They're just, they're backing away. So uh, I think the best way is just, you, you still get multiple offers if you, if you list the house at market value and now it's just, and it's just trying to find the market value. I was just at a home yesterday and I, it was my second visit there. And th- it, this is a 10 acre, a treated lot. Like it's like, uh, it's like all different ty- styles of trees. I can't remember what they call the name of it when you have, um, like bush, uh, like, like a forest with all different kinds of trees in there. Um, anyway, beautiful house on there. And it's, tra- um, and it's hard to figure out a value because every property, when it comes to a country property like that, and it's not even a country property, it's in the city, but 10 acres in, and it's in the middle of the property with forest all the way around. Like you got complete privacy and you got like, uh, like, I don't know, 250 meter or 250 yard, uh, driveway where you kind of like a pat, like nice driveway to go up to, which is fantastic and trying to come up with a price there. So I said, I said to the client, I said, the one thing is, is if you overprice it, you hurt yourself. If you underprice it, you will definitely get more than, than what the value is because you cannot, you will never underprice a house in this market. And, and, and the house is probably worth, I'd say between one point three to 1.5, somewhere in that range, but closer to the one three, but somebody will probably 
probably may pay 1.5 for this house because you can't get 10 acres with forest all the way around you. Total privacy. So, you know, and he was, he was on board with me. Like he said, you know what, Rob, like he goes, I think you're right. And, uh, and like, he obviously would like to have 1.5 million for his house, but it's just, he knows it, 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 if he puts it at that price, it, he can hurt the listing. So, um, it looks like we're going to, uh, probably list it at, uh, 1,299,900. We'll probably get a pretty, uh, we're not holding offers though. We're not holding offers. We'll probably get a tremendous amount of action on it. And, and uh, hopefully we have two, three buyers at the same time that uh, may want to compete against it. But if not, then uh, we know exactly where we're at with that. So you got to be very, very careful now in this market. We have to adjust to the market every time. And, we, and markets change every week, just like I said before, right? It changes every week. A house like that, you know, one, 1.3 with a massive lot um, kind of on the outskirts of the city, um, obviously there's a niche market for that. So the, the time frame to sell is probably a little bit extended. Is that fair to say? Yeah. You know what? That, that high end market is, is always strong. It's, it's, it's pretty strong. Um, like he will like, like I, I walk this, I, he used to see the paths that he's got, he's got trails on this property, like 10 acres. Hmm. And, and then he backs onto other large properties that have like 30 acres, 20 acres. So, so this property, like if you're walking in the back of it, you, you can literally like on the trails, you can get lost. Like, it's, <laughs> like this, I'll tell you this, I, I was walking through this on the trail. I go, this is like fun. Like you can play paintball in there. You could, you know, you can ride, uh, you know, on a mountain bike through there, like the trails you can, you can put a, you can put a little, you know, camping thing in the middle there. There's some little flat spots where you can camp out. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, it was fantastic and i and and it's good to walk the property it's good to, especially like that and he was surprised that i said let's walk it and he's going really he goes nobody ever said that i said yeah i want to walk it i want to know this property and he showed me the stakes where the properties are but but all forest all forest great place for kids to grow up oh my you would you would love if you if you grew up in a, in a house like that with a forestry back there like that and you can go on trails and stuff like that it's unbelievable now he's pricing it right he'll, he'll do well with his uh sale and uh and and he's listening he's listening but if if you overprice it people what what's what the mistake people are making right now is they're holding offers at an overpriced amount that's the big mistake people are making right now and 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 sometimes the homeowner is not listening because they they're, they're thinking oh if we go too low they're, they're, the offer is going to be lower well you know what we, we've proven that wrong but the market is changing so be very very careful every house is special every neighborhood is different every house is different so you have to adjust whatever it is for every particular home that you put up for sale and you'll be able to find out what's what's going to work and what's not going to work and what worked, uh, you know, on the other side of town may not work on this side of town. So, so th- that's why, you know, uh, you, you really, really got to be very careful when you put a house up for sale, especially now in this market, because it's cooling a bit, but still good. It's still going strong. There is a shortage of homes on the market.
You can listen to our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfy Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. We have lots still to come in this episode. We'll talk about product shortages and volatile prices and how they're hurting home builders. We'll also talk about inflated home uh, home prices, that is, widening inequality, and inheritances will only make it worse, and why it's important to understand the ins and outs of new construction. We also have a question for Rob later on in the program about Grimsby, so stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin. On the line once again, Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. You can find them online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales at 905-575-7700. And they're all over social media. Follow the Golfy team on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you have a topic idea for a future show or a question for the Golfy team, send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. Again, that's questions at robgolfie.com. We do have a question later on about Grimsby that Rob is going to answer. And we've got a host of other topics to get to as well. I know in the past couple of shows we've talked about blind bidding. Uh, in that regard, when there are multiple offers on a home and you're about to make an offer on the home, um, do you know how many other offers or how, how many other people are in the game? Is that statistic available to you? Yeah, yes, it is. Okay. Um, but um, so we don't publish it, but if another agent wanted to find out, hey, like, like if, let, let's say there's a house for sale. You're an agent that has a client that wants to put an offer on it. He is informed how many offers there are on it. He is. Okay. So, so whatever agents are submitting offers, they know exactly how many people are submitting offers. After once an offer is accepted, let's say a week goes by, another agent may call the agent, the listing agent that had that house and say, "Hey, listen, how many offers did you have?" And it and uh, and you know most agents are pretty good about it, but you know you get the odd one that you know gets kind of funny about it. Hmm. But most agents will tell you that's a good indicator to call the agent that had a house in that same neighborhood for sale to find out how many offers because that that tells you exactly how how the market's working. So we, like I, there was a, uh, a house that, um, that I was evaluating and there was, uh, an agent just sold one just down the street from it. I called him up and, uh, and I said to him, Hey, Tony, I go, uh, how many offers did you get on this house? And it didn't sell. It, it, it sold a little above asking, but not, not aggressively above asking. And he said, Rob, we only had three offers. Okay. So that tells me you better be sharp on the price. Mm -hmm. So it indicated to me that, uh, there wasn't that many offers, so you got to be very careful on pricing. So that that's a key factor in, pri in, in, in pricing your house. So you got to know what the other houses like. You know uh, how many offers there were because it's like if there was thirty offers, guess what? 
there's 29 other people that are looking for this house, exactly. a house uh, in this area. And, and if it's priced right, you'll, you'll do well. But if there's only three offers, then you got to be very, very careful. And you got to read, you got to read the plan. You got to read the play. That's how it is. You got to read it. On the flip side, from the buyer's perspective, you know, you're going into uh, a house, you're looking at it, and the realtor says there's only three other offers on this house. Strategically, you're now thinking about, okay, what do I offer? As opposed to, hey, there's 25 other offers on this house. You're probably thinking, wow, I really have to go guns a-blazing here. Yeah, so a couple of things I do is I ask um, uh, any, uh, any GTA agents involved. And if they say no, okay, now that, that changes things. Okay, right. now I, I got to feel. I go, where are the agents coming from? The, like, I, I can't, you, you can get little hints, but you don't, you can't get all the hints. And um, so if they say they're all local agents in town, okay, perfect. Okay, so now I have to guess what will take to, to buy this house without overly paying for it. And that's, and that's the game. So, and if I know the agent and, and, and I say, Hey, listen, you know, like we're close, just please give us a second chance, you know, and stuff like that. Um, you, you, you gotta, you gotta do everything what it takes to make it work. But I ask a lot of questions. I ask a lot of questions so that if I'm representing a buyer, I can get that house for them. And, uh, and you know, it just, so you gotta be, so you, you want to know information. Information is key to winning in this market, whether you're selling or you're buying information is the key thing. And that's a sign of an experienced agent as well. You know, someone who's been in the game for a couple of years might not have that knowledge or understanding or ask those types of questions. You've been in the game for, you know, decades now and you know, the ins and outs of how the game is played. Absolutely. So five, like five years ago, uh, or six years ago, it was uh, 2015. Rick, I was buying my house, and uh, the, the home was um, they were hold. They were, it was 400,000. It, it needed renovations, and they were holding offers at 400,000. I calculated there was 13 offers on this, and, and and I figured, okay, 13 offers. So if I did 13 times 5,000 per person. This is before the real, the, the, the wave of GTA agents came in. So I did 13, 13 times 5,000. That's 65,000. So I went, that's what I figured it out. I figured, okay, I'm going to add 5,000 for every agent. So I got it at 65,000. Hmm. Wow. I went through, I went five thousand. Now you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. These these GTA agents came in and they go, they're dropping a hundred grand at a shot. So you gotta go, okay, what's 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 the worst case scenario? And you're gonna get one guy coming in like overly so much over that it, it, it just you know, you can't compete. And 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 what's killing it is it, yes, it is hurting the local the local person to afford a house here because and it's making it tougher and tougher for them to buy a house in in the Hamilton area and and and, and afford it because you got people from outside with bigger money, um, you know, out, you know, beating the local guys out. It is really an unfair advantage, and it's not really an apples to apples comparison because you know anyone from the GTA, specifically Toronto, selling their home for you know at least a million bucks, they're coming to Hamilton and looking at a home that's you know seven hundred, eight hundred, even nine hundred thousand dollars, and they're they're always going to or at least have the capacity to overbid someone here locally. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and it, and it's tough. It's and, and and the government's actually staying out of it right now, which is good. Because like, like like we've talked in the past, if they you know they they react to one thing, something else happens. So they're just they're hoping that it just settles uh, like 
it settles on its own. And it's starting to cool a bit, but there is a, but again, there's still a shortage of homes. And, and, and for the rest of this year, there will be a shortage of homes, but buyers are going to be a little bit more cautious in buying. And uh, so it's just, it's just going to be moderately going still. It'll still go long, but it's just going to be a little cooler. There's going to be like, people are just going to be a little more cautious going in with offers because they got to be very careful out there. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. You can find them online, robgolfy.com. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. Product shortages and volatile prices are hurting home builders. We know of the the lumber shortage. We've seen lumber prices uh, escalate, uh, you know, two, two to five times more than what they quote unquote normally are. But home builders, this is obviously affecting them. Home builders across Canada getting hit by a string of supply chain disruptions, not just, you know, those lumber costs, but there's a shortage of PCV pipes, uh, insulation, windows. Some home builders now resorting to using escalation clauses in their contracts with buyers to account for potential price hikes and ultimately this is going to be passed on to the home buyer uh, yes and that's what's happening so the home buyer may think he's getting a house for let's say seven hundred thousand, and he's got all his upgrades in there and everything and it's going to end up being to 750 now who knows if he's been pre-approved but now builders are putting that escalation clause and that escalation clause is never going to leave now it's staying there like even COVID's over, everything's coming back. That escalation clause is going to be there. It's just another tactic down the road for a builder to, uh, to, to make more money. But right now they need it because lumber prices have gone up so much. But the thing is, um, they, 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 they don't know the cost. Now it's dipping into their cost. So a lot of these builders sold houses a year ago and they're building them now it's actually dipped into their profit margins because they didn't have an escalation clause. So now they're putting that in. So the builders can sustain it and they can afford to sustain it with uh, the ones that they sold a year ago and start now. But the ones, the ones, uh, the ones that uh, are starting to build now, escalation clauses are in there. They're all in there. And uh, I understand why. And, and a lot of other different companies uh, are doing it. Like same thing. Uh, like it's like the PVC pipes, uh, costing money. Uh, and it's slowing everything down. Builders can't, can't build because the, the product's not there. So they have to shut down the, the site for a bit until product comes in. And now you got a lot of builders all across the country building homes and they got to service like lumber to all these people. So how are they getting it? So they slowly get it. So it's just, uh, it's a, it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation, and uh, we just have to live with it. And I don't know how long this shortage is going to be if COVID's over with. is it? Are we still going to have a shortage now? Because we have a lot of catching up to do. It could take us six months to a year to do it. So, so I think lumber prices are going to be up for at least another year. And for anybody wondering why lumber prices were drastically affected, it's basically there was a number of sawmills in B.C., lumber mills in B.C. that were shuttered during the pandemic, and now basically they're just playing catch-up, and, and lumber prices have surged more than 300% from a year ago. So that's a, a massive price spike. From uh, the volatility of uh, that scenario to the inflated house prices that we've seen, 
And uh, there was an interesting article, I think this was in the Star this week, about uh, the inflated house prices are widening inequality. And when you factor in the inheritances, it's only going to further gap, uh, further uh, that gap. And one particular um, segment of this article says that many millennials, uh, by far Canada's poorest generation right now, will become overnight millionaires and those without property-owning parents will remain among the poorest. So if you own a property right now, if you own a home right now, and you're going to eventually give it to your kids, those millennials out there, um, yeah, a lot of them are going to become instant millionaires, especially in and around this uh, golden horseshoe. Well, absolutely. And same thing uh, with the baby boomers that are passing it down. And then, and then uh, um, well, baby boomers, yeah, exactly. Millennials are going to become uh, very wealthy because... Uh, of, of of the inheritance that's coming, and it's and it's in a, it's in the trillions. Like we're talking trillions. So there's going to be another economic boom. There's always there's going to be an abundance of money coming down the line, uh, and the millennials will spend it. <laughs> that's what's going to keep the economy going. They're going to spend it. They're going to buy their toys. They're going to buy whatever they want. Uh, millennials enjoy life better than the baby boomers do. <laughs> so so they they're going to enjoy it, and they'll spend it. And uh, some will invest. Some will spend and you know everybody will get what what, what they want but uh, but yeah there there is a a, a, a a wealth being transitioned or passed down to the millennials that are going to inherit millions of dollars or trillions trillions and it's uh and they know this is going to be happening within the next start starting now for the next 10 20 years and this is, you know, this is something that we haven't really seen in other generations. Like the boomers all of a sudden didn't get a home passed down to them. I mean, some did, but many of them didn't. No, they didn't. They, they worked hard and they had to buy it yeah. and save up their money. And most boomers, like, like they, they, they are a different generation. They didn't, they're not the types that would spend money and go out for lunch every day. They, you know, like, like the younger generation now, like, they don't, a majority of them don't pack a lunch and they, and they go to work and they just buy whatever they buy. Right. But, uh, I know my, my dad, like when he went to work, he never bought a lunch. I mean, he, the only, he spent a quarter every day just for a coffee with his coffee club with mm-hmm. his department that he was in. So he always had a lunch every day going, going to work. So they saved a lot of money and they paid their houses off. Usually back, back in the, in the fifties and sixties and seventies, the, that that generation, they paid their houses off right away. That was the first thing they wanted to do: get that house paid off. So a lot of these, a lot of the, a lot of the baby boomers have their houses paid off for 30, 40 years and longer. And 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 then once they paid that off, they just kept saving money for the rainy day. So they built they built up a, an abundance of wealth, and now th- that wealth is going to be passed down, and and it, that wealth it, it'll show in the economy that people the economy will just keep thriving for the next 20 years. It'll just keep going just because of the wealth that's being transitioned down. Uh, interesting uh, that you mentioned the the packed lunch because my dad is in his early 70s, recently retired, you know, just uh, over a year ago, and never, ever, ever bought anything. It, it was always a packed lunch. It was a sandwich and maybe a piece of fruit, and that was it, <laughs> and off to work he went. Yeah, ex- yeah exactly. That's, and that's how that's how they did it. And, and, and they, because you know what, they... They worked hard. They went. They they, they grew up in different times than, mm-hmm. than we did. Our kids, our the kids today didn't haven't seen you know uh, heavy recessions. They haven't seen uh, and and if they if they did, if they were in a recession, they were probably too young to know there was a recession going on. And so right now, like we've had 
from 19, from 2000 till now, year 2000 till now, we've had a really good economy. And I mean, the, the last heavy recession, big recession um, we had was the, the 1980 and 1990. And 1990 to 95 was, I mean, I mean it was a, there, those were lean years. And 1990s recession was long. And it, uh, housing prices didn't move for at least a, almost close to a decade. They, they almost stayed stagnant for a while. Then in the late 1990s, that's when they started climbing. And then once it hit 2000, then it, and it just escalated from 2000 till now, year 2000 to now. It's just been unbelievable how the market's been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2008-09 economic crisis, I guess, if you will. The recession was, you know, hit hit hard, especially in the States. But yeah, not as bad as those in the, in the 80s and 90s. Right. When we come back, we're right. going to talk about uh, new home construction and how that is uh, continuing to thrive. And we'll also talk about a Hamilton family that was hit by a rental scam up on the mountain. You're listening to the Golf. Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Sanford alongside Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. Follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, online at robgolfie.com, and call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales at 905-575-7700. Have a topic idea for a future show or a question for the Golfy team? Send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. We do have a question that Rob is going to tackle a little later on in the show. It's all about Grimsby. But let's talk about new residential construction in Canada. Have some stats from 1948 to 2021, and it says that um, in Canada, uh, new home construction grew by over 4% between 2020 and 2019, with around 9,000 more residential units. This figure was the highest output reached in the North American country since 2017. The impact of the coronavirus pandemic was felt in the second quarter of 2020, obviously. That quarter, however, housing starts in Canada decreased by about 13% year over year. New residential construction in both the third quarter and fourth quarter of last year, when starts grew by nearly 20% year over year, made up for those losses. But all the way back to 1948, we're talking about, you know, 15 to 35,000 new home construction. Now we're eh, relatively around the 60, 65,000 mark uh, per year. That's, that's a pretty dramatic rise. Oh yeah, it's just uh, it's it's incredible. Um, like you're looking at the same stats here, the the, the graph. The graph, yeah. On, uh, yeah, but look, look if you look at it in uh, in 19 like 1988 was a, a, a spike, a big spike. But what, 19, what was going on in the 70s? 78. Well, the, well, in the, yeah, like there was a spike in the uh, there, there was a big spike in 1973 and 74. 
77, 78, mm-hmm. and then it dropped. It dropped from uh, because of the interest rates, right? Uh, late late uh, 1970, let's say 75, it spiked, and then 78, 1978, 1980, mm-hmm. it dropped because of the interest rates over 20%. And then we had a hike in 1988. And then it dropped, and then the lowest peak was 90, 1995. It just dropped. Like there, it, it shows right there, the whole 90s, the decade of the 90s. Yeah. Tough. And then it climbed. But it never climbed as much as it did in 1988. That's, like, yeah, that's like, interesting. Like in, in housing starts. Yeah. Are you reading the same thing I'm, as I I'm am seeing, there? Yeah, you, I'm seeing the same graph as you. I mean, it was over 80,000 in like 73, 75, 78, uh, close to 80,000 in 88, uh, interesting to see how it uh, it's been in flux over the last number of years. So that's what's causing a little bit of the housing boom. Is this not, maybe not enough houses are uh, are being built out there to, to for the supply and demand? And uh, so if if it, if it keeps going that way, um, they'll they'll end up um, it, it, the housing market's just going to be strong all the time. Now in the U.S., they were saying it would take them. Uh, they built more houses. I, I don't have that in front of me. They built more houses in a certain time frame versus in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and they said it, that they're building less houses now than they did in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And yeah. um, so to catch up to it, it it's going to take them, they have to build a lot of house, like like it'll take six years of building uh, 400,000 more houses per year on top of what they're building a million to catch up to what they they did in decades back. Um, so it, it, and, and it's, you know, it's causing a housing shortage. And not only that, I, I read someplace that, uh, 20, is it 27,000 homes in Canada are currently owned, but, uh, not being rented. Yeah. That's is a, that, that's is a that, huge is, number. That's a huge number. So that's causing, you know, you know, a lot, another shortage of, of housing, not only just, just for people to also renters, you know, it's, it's just, they're just buying the houses, not renting them, and just holding on to them. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, this shortage is going to last for a while. And, 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 and I think by the time they figure it out, it's going to take too many, it's going to take a decade to fix, to, to, to keep up with the demand. And, and that's supply and demand issue, uh, whether it's new homes or current homes. I mean, that, that really has a huge impact on prices. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Now, if they, if they allowed uh, the builders to build, they will definitely uh, they can slow down that uh, inflation of um, of housing prices increasing so dramatically. They can they control it, and then uh, it, it'll be a nice even keel, moderate you know balanced market that uh, you know people can go in, pay market value, not over market value. Uh, they have a little bit of negotiating room to work with it. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when I was starting in the in, in real estate, that's how it was. The houses were on the market. Uh, sometimes it took a month, two months, three months to sell. People would go in, look at it, and uh, and then when you put in an offer, you, you know, you you, you had there's a little bit of negotiating room. I mean, th- this market that we're experiencing in uh, this decade is uh, is ne- it's it's unheard of. Like it's it's just uh, something that uh, you know something we're getting used to because we're accustomed to this over you know multiple offers. But before that wasn't happening. 
Mm-hmm. Hardly at all, or any anything at all. Times have certainly changed. When we come back, we'll talk yeah. about a Hamilton family that was hit by a rental scam, and we have a question for Rob about Grimsby. That's coming up next here on the Gulfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Around here on the Gulfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin joined by Rob Gulfie, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Gulfie team. Find them online, robgulfie.com is the website. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. And follow the Gulfie team on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Interesting article in the Hamilton Spectator earlier this week where a Hamilton family was scammed out of more than $1,500 in a rental scam in the uh, East Mountain area. This is pretty scary stuff. Yeah, it is. I feel so bad for these people because, you know what, like this guy really conned him and into, you know, losing this money and uh, it's just too bad. And I, you know, I, I, you know, and now that they're struggling, somebody did come out and put out a, uh, a fund for these people to help mm-hmm. them out because I, I just, you know what, you got to be very careful out there. Um, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Make sure you always look into the house before you give any money. Do not, do not give money to anybody unless you actually stepped in the house and that homeowner is the homeowner. Call a realtor, I'm telling you, to make sure that is the homeowner. Just say, you know, like, I mean, like, it, it, do, do not give a deposit unless you're there. You meet the person, and uh, it's just, you know, it's so sad for these people. I, I, I hope uh, they find something, and I hope, you know, there there is a, a fund, so I hope guys look for that and help these guys out. If there's one tip uh, or piece of advice that you would offer to people in this scenario is you got to go see the place. I know there's a lot of... Uh, you know, uh, technology involved in, in selling or, or renting nowadays. But in, in a case like this, you you got to be there, right? Yeah, you, you should be because don't buy, I mean, don't buy anything uh, or, or give a deposit unless you actually met the person or, or whatever. I mean, if they're a, a, a company that manages rentals, look them up if, if, uh, or if the homeowner is you know, the guy that you're meeting there, make sure it is their, the house uh, that they own and stuff like that. But this very rarely happens, but, but do not give anybody any money unless you meet the person and see the place. These people were, you know, hoping and that this was going to be a, a great thing for them and, and they were looking forward to it and, and it just ended up not working out for them. So they ended up getting, you know, pretty, you know, I feel, I feel bad for these guys. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, we have a listener email to get to, and if you have a question for the Golfy team and would like uh, Rob to answer your questions, send the Golfy team an email, questions at robgolfie.com. Again, that's questions at robgolfie.com. This email is from Juniper. Uh, Love your show. I would appreciate your thoughts about Grimsby on the lake. Too dense. Will the condos keep their value? Have a great day, Juniper. 
The condos will because the population is growing rapidly. Um, it, um, if, if you're looking to move into it, um, you, you will be fine. Um, a, lot of, a lot of speculators, what they do is you'll see a lot of condo buildings going up, and most of them are investors. And what happens is once the, the investors, what they're hoping that is that time will, the inflation will increase by the time it's built. So let's say today a condo development is up uh, listed and they're taking applications to buy, and it may not start. It may not start being built till about two, three years down the road, and then it, it might be four years before you actually take possession. During those four years, inflation has happened, and you can probably flip the property to sell, and you might make some money. So if you ended up putting a forty thousand dollar deposit, you might double your money and have eighty thousand after or or more. Um, it, whatever whatever the inflation is. Um, if you're keeping it to rent, uh, a lot of times uh, it's tough because there's condo fees. You got your mortgage and you got your taxes uh, to get rent. Uh, that to, you know, if you're only going in with 20% down, it might be a little tough sometimes to to cover that. Like if you want to cover your rent to pay your mortgage and all that, those expenses can be a little tough. But I do feel that. The condo communities are going to do very well, and they're going to be a place that everybody wants to go to. In Grimsby, especially, they're they're putting a tower up right now beside the uh, I think the Casablanca Inn. There, I'm not sure how many stories that's going to be, but that whole it's 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 like they're going to have their own little mini downtown in the condo community there, which mm-hmm. is going to be fantastic. It's going to be draw a lot of seniors. It's going to draw a lot of millennials there, and it's going to be a great place to walk around. The values will hold, and they're going to keep building more and more. And the more they build, the more people want to be drawn to it. So you will do well in those condo communities. And I think they're doing another one in Vineland, uh, where uh, Prudhomme's Landing used to be. I think there's another condo community that's going up over there, which is going to be another fantastic area to live. So I feel that uh, they will hold its value and more so. That shoreline uh, in the Grimsby area certainly changed over the last decade, that's for sure. So, uh, Juniper, thanks for the question. If you have a question for the, uh, Rob and the Golfie team, send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. Rob, fantastic show once again, and thank you for listening to the Golfie Real Estate Show. We're back next Saturday at 9 on 900 CHML. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.